0: I'm Joe Morgenstern, the
1: film critic of the Wall Street Journal. We're told that M. Night Shyamalan's Lady in the Water was inspired by a bedtime story the filmmaker told his kids. Well, I'm here to tell you that this cloying piece of claptrap sets a high-water mark for pomposity, condescension, and false profundity. No small accomplishment for the man whose last two features were the deadly duo, Signs in the Village. In Shyamalan's new film, a saintly water nymph named story surfaces in an apartment building swimming pool. And the movie's being sold as another of his Tales of the Supernatural. Shyamalan's first success was the genuinely creepy The Sixth Sense, with its signature line, I see dead people. But everyone is dead in Lady in the Water, and they aren't meant to be. They've simply been suffocated by super seriousness in the telling of a small, murky fable. In the mythology of the fable, Story is a narf. She's left her home, the blue world, for the sake of humankind, but she needs human help help to return because her passage is blocked by scrunts. These are snarky growlers from the world of not-so-special effects who look like hyenas with formica chip coats. Story is played by Bryce Dallas Howard, and she's always on the verge of tears or in tears thanks to her fears for humanity or for herself— or to the chlorine in the pool. Paul Giamatti is Cleveland Heap, the apartment superintendent who discovers her, and in the course of protecting this fragile narf, finds his own higher purpose. The filmmaker's purpose is to make Cleveland a surrogate for suffering humanity by giving him a stutter and a tragic past. Your words are very beautiful. Your heart is very big, story tells him after peeking in his private journal. But the words that Shyamalan puts in Cleveland's mouth are very pretentious in their very mock simplicity. And your heart goes out to the marvelous actor who signed up to speak them. Lady in the Water is full of cartoonish performances and other roles. Shyamalan's notions of comedy and horror have gotten to be equally grotesque. And the narrative is littered with silly complications, rules to be followed in the course of the quasi-religious rite that will save story's life and redeem those who save her. For bad measure, the filmmaker has thrown in a sour-spirited movie critic played by Bob Balaban, who doesn't have a clue about movies, let alone real life. I'm seeing a romance film tonight, he announces prizzily, but it's not my cup of tea. This guy would love scrunts and narfs. The title of Heading South may be a double entendre, a reference to geography and human anatomy, but Laurent Cantet's fascinating and troubling drama has many meanings. It's set in the late 1970s in Haiti, a tourist paradise for three white middle-aged women who are taking pleasure to varying degrees from young and handsome Legba, who's a black male prostitute. At first, the film makes us feel like voyeurs, watching two of the women vie for Legba's affections and listening to them as they speak directly to the camera of their sexual yearnings. Charlotte Rampling is Ellen, a professor of French at Wellesley, and Karen Young is Brenda, a troubled divorcee from Georgia. Eventually, though, heading south sees these women and their obliging lover in the larger context of sexual politics and colonial relationships. Legba belongs to everyone, Ellen tells Brenda. He makes the decisions. That's not true, though. As a citizen of impoverished Haiti, Legba is at the mercy of a brutal regime, and as a gigolo at a beach resort, he's at the mercy of the wealthy women he seduces. Legba belongs to everyone but himself. I'm Joe Morgan Stern, the film critic of the Wall Street Journal, back on KCRW next week with more reviews.
0: KCRW sponsors include Make It Universal and Rotten Tomatoes, presenting Scene on the Screen with Jacqueline Coley, a new podcast about the people at NBC Universal and the movies that define them. Available wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts.